Abolition. Abolition. News this evening, an apology for the slave trade from an unexpected place. Today, delegates from several African nations read apology letters from tribal leaders. Well, they say they're sorry for enslaving and trading fellow Africans to nations around the world. SHB 41 News reporter Leslie Delisboer was there and shares their message of healing. Reaching across oceans. In song and with letters. It is very deep and uh, painful to even talk about it sometimes. Remembering the dark past and the role some African chiefs played in the slave trade. The apology of the awareness that there is a broad culture that contributed to this travesty of enslavement. This apology is directed specifically to people of, not people of color, black people, African people, people who have been dispersed in all parts of the world. Delegates from African countries extending a sincere apology for the actions of their ancestors. Some African chiefs in violation of their sworn duty to protect the interests of the people as well as those yet unborn and will kidnap, sell, trade and otherwise negotiate for the transfer of their own people to foreigners. Asking for forgiveness from their estranged African brothers and sisters. This opportunity today gives us a chance to have the most important of conversations that must happen between our people in addressing the transatlantic slave trade that forever changed people of African descent from continent to continent. Thinking about the past and its impact. When you can't, when you look at a black person and you can't know where they're from, that's, that's the heartbreak of being a black American. Reflecting on the future. We have to face up to the things that we were a part of and understand why it happened. Because once we can do that, then we can move forward to the next level. Opening up a new chapter of love, life, and healing. I now know that they acknowledge, they being in Africa, acknowledge that I'm a sister, that I'm a, a mother, that I am a descendant. And not separating me from the history, not separating my journey of 400 years just because I landed here. In Kansas City, Kansas, Leslie Dulles for KSHB 41 News. Never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies, and I'm not proud of my address. In a torn up town, no poco envy. Now everybody's like, come on, let's celebrate. Finally, we're getting cake every day. We're hustling, trying to fill a dinner plate. We don't care.
count our dollars on the train to the party. And everyone who knows us knows that we are, we are, because we say we are. Now everybody's like, come on, let's celebrate. Finally, we're getting cake. Every day we hustling, trying to fill a dinner plate. We don't care. The underdog don't have no fear. So if we sing about gold, see, playback, diamonds in our timepiece. You should raise a glass, help us free from the poverty. So unfair. Give us free from this love affair. Cause we're already royal. Being royal. rather not our blood. We've just been having tough for love. We need a different kind of fun. Let me be your The ones who never had nothing. Word. So first piece of the pie, we try to grab something. Uh-huh. and running, packing and gunning, lending a honey. Flashing in front and scared of everything, but call it nothing. We don't know that old true blue blood slave uh-huh. money. Slave money, war heroes take it to their grave. Uh-huh. Money, cotton money, cane money, diamond blood, same money. Yeah. They tell us to save money, we don't get paid money. Uh-huh. Only talking small yeah. money. Super five pack of pampers, black and mild money, mattress pie high money. We know sneak a fly money. We know racks and racks and racks and racks and racks money. What about that tax money? All money. Africa's rich soul money. So think you can't fold money. British East Indian company, all money, gold money, limestone, coal money. It's like the whole world is upside down. And the real royalty has been reduced to clowns, lost in the sauce. And we don't know which way to go. They blew the nose off the sphinx, so we never know. We royal, yeah. We royal. We're greater than they say we are. Yeah. So go ahead and call me star. Yeah. Wake up if you dare. Let's get free from this love affair. Abolition. 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 You just heard a recording of African delegates apologizing for the role in slavery while in Kansas City, Kansas on September 28, 2022. Those were African healing drums you heard in the background. And that was followed by Maimunu Yusuf with We're Already Loyal. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archive podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. We also simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Max Parthas. Brother Yusuf is at a wedding today. So I'm joined by my special co-host, Curtis Davis. Peace, Curtis. Peace, Max Parthas. Thank you and Abolition Today for allowing me this grandiose opportunity to be in the presence of royalty. Um, Man, this is one of the greatest opportunities of my life. I've spoken at several places all around the country, but this has to be the biggest opportunity to introduce my people to the Queen of the Republic of Benin. So, again, thank you for that. Awesome, brother. Curtis is the author of Slave State, Evidence of Apartheid in America. You can find that on our website at Abolition Today on Facebook. 
He's also the executive producer of the documentary Slave State 2022 and lead organizer for Decarcerate Louisiana, the organization behind Amendment 7, the ballot initiative to remove Louisiana's slavery exception clause that is up for vote on November 8th. We're four weeks deep into the eight weeks of abolition series, and we'll be joined tonight by a very special guest, Her Majesty Cogito Duarte de Seer, Queen Mother of the Republic of Benin, formerly known as the Kingdom of Dahomey, as portrayed in the film The Woman King. In addition to supporting the abolitionist efforts, she'll be addressing some of the carnage and calls for boycotts that have slandered the history of her nation. For your information, the Queen Mother is a slavery abolitionist who has worked with the ASNN now for the past two years. Of course, we'll have incredible music mixes like you just heard, and we'll bring the ancestors' voices back to life for a new generation on our Bridging the Gap segment. And make sure you stay till the end because tonight's Bridging the Gap segment is historic and incredible. If you're a slavery abolitionist, don't miss a single one of these eight episodes of Abolition Today. We're in week four now. Tomorrow depends on you, so let's make our <clears throat> envisioned re- future a reality. Brother Curtis, any comments on the opening track? Oh, man, definitely. Um, as I was um, getting ready to prepare my mind for how we were going to address the um, the state of Louisiana in particular on the significance of what we're doing with Amendment 7, I thought about the fact that, man, we are royalty. That's why they fought so hard for so long to keep us down. And we continue to rise. Like Maya Angelou said, another black queen from our dispensation, that still we rise on top of all of this madness that we see every day. And I love what you're doing um, at Abolition Today, Max Parthas. You're a hero in our midst. Um, A lot of people really need to start listening to these type of edifying talk shows to really raise the consciousness and the political sophistication of our people so that we won't continue to just be dogs to one political party. Amen, brother, and thank you. Uh, But, you know, I look at you guys who are actually leading campaigns in states all over the country as our uh, heroes of this day. You know, you're like our Harriet Tubman's and Frederick Douglass's uh, and uh, David Walker's. You know, you guys are right there in the front of the fight getting it done. And I'm just being like Merlin in the back. I got a sword or two you might be able to use. (laughs) (laughs) The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Yeah, right? So how was your week, brother? I know you stay pretty pretty darn busy. Uh, What's been up with you this past week? Um, We've had several screenings of our, our Slave State 2022 documentary, which is basically an educational 26 minute documentary on the history of convict leasing and the slavery exception clause, um, starting with the 13th Amendment federal um, clause, as well as our Louisiana State Constitution clause. So it's been a lot of cleanup that we've been having to do. We've done a national press conference with the Freedom Five. That's the five states and the state organization leaders that are um, doing modern-day emancipation, modern-day abolition. You're seeing a lot of stuff, a lot of people going viral on Instagram and YouTube, and they're talking about the issues with no real understanding of what we're doing or why we're doing it. So it's causing a major miseducation campaign. So we're having a lot of cleanup work to do, traveling across the state, um, I'll be in Seattle, Washington, at the International League of People's Struggle, 
from the 20th of October to the 24th. And I'll keynote a speech there dealing with repressive government actions. And slavery has to be the own of that. I mean, it's the epitome of government repression. Word. Um, you know, I, I know for the ASNN uh, that the press conference we just had uh, Thursday was a big event, and uh, it really went off well. Uh, you know, people talk about you guys in various uh, op-eds and articles and our videos about the five states that are having ballot, but they don't actually talk to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, your voices aren't out there. <laughs> On several occasions, they referred to you as local organizers. Like, are you serious? Like this, these people have worked their yeah. whole life. You don't know the risk and, and the the cost and the price they paid for you to say something like local organizers, you know? So we right. want to make sure yeah. that you get heard. So people here, these are real human beings with faces and lives. Uh, like you said, in order to prepare you for today, you had to spend 26 years in prison, in Angola prison. Yes, sir. And all of that led up to who you are today in this fight. Uh, so yeah, they that say we some total of all of our experiences, brother Max. And um, yes, even though the experiences are hard sometimes, the the seed grows under the earth in the darkness. So when you see the tree after a hundred years of growth and it's a hundred feet up in the air, you're like, wow, look at that tree. But nobody never thinks about the 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 seed that it took to actually develop that and the roots that go under the ground of that situation. No, this is not an overnight situation. We've been working for years and decades to try to make people even realize that there's a such thing as a slave in the United States, which is the only um, industrialized country on the planet that has codified slavery, which you like to say a lot. But only 17% of the people in America even realize they accept and exist. That's amazing to me. Yeah, it, and, uh, it it's all work to undo it. It shows that this is something that's been extremely hidden for so long. As a matter of fact, our speech tonight by Frederick Douglass in our Bridging the Gap segment is a great example of that. It's a speech, I think it's the greatest speech he's ever uh, delivered. And he spoke on the anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, the 26th anniversary in Washington, D.C. And he dropped a bomb that shook the whole country. And after that, they basically buried that speech. I never heard it again. I've, I've read it back in early 2004 or so. It's the first time I read it. I didn't know even though he had said such a thing. And then uh, in 2017 or 16, whenever the flag came down, uh, the day Bree Newsom took the flag down, we were also there at the same location recording his speech. It's titled... In South Carolina, right? In South Carolina, yes. We did right there at the African-American yes, Monument, and that was the first time it had ever been recorded in history. And uh, the title of the speech is, I denounced this so-called emancipation as a stupendous fraud. Wow. <laughs> now, you know you want to hear that, right? <laughs> like, yes, he sir. worked his life. And I know our listeners want to hear that. Word. Uh, he worked his whole life for the cause of emancipation. So for him to come back 26 years later and say, this is some bull stuff right here. <laughs> I'm denouncing it in front of the world. Uh, there's got to be a good reason that he breaks it down like a molecular biologist. So he leaves nothing unsaid. It's certainly something you want to hear. Man. 
Um, that's one of the things we do here on the program is try to educate as well as inspire, hence why we use music and poetry and the voices of the ancestors. Because what we're fighting, they fought. Um, you know, I, I know sometimes you sit back and think, man, did Harry go through this, <laughs> right? Wow. I have a similar situation with Harriet Tubman um, right now. Um, I was listening to Minister Farrakhan speak while I was in prison, and in one of his speeches dealing with the slavery issue, he um, and he's a good uh, orator. He's amazing as an actor. And he went into the character of Harriet Tubman, and he said that she's quoted as saying that in my Harriet Tubman voice, I freed thousands of slaves. And I could have had three thousands of more had they only known that they were slaves, right? So in in exposition or um, explaining what she meant, it was, Harriet came into confrontation with several Africans, several black people that did not want to leave the plantation, that did not want freedom, as though she was forcing freedom upon them, right? And she's also depicted firearm in her lap um, in a lot of the pictures that you see of Harriet. And she had to actually physically confront slaves that were going back to the master in order to foil their attempts to free the ones that wanted to be free. So in Louisiana, the, the sponsor of our bill, Representative Edmund Jordan, who has kind of always been kind of wishy-washy on the issue, even when we brought it under House Bill 190, uh, 196, when the one of the lead, well, we want to say, um, white supremacist representatives asked him, if we voted against this, would you label us as pro-slavery or anti-black? And he said, oh, well, no, so we, we basically wouldn't do that. I know you got a good heart and all that. And it took me back to that time in the 1800s where black people had to apologize for wanting freedom. And now even the House Democratic Party has in their sample ballots issued that we should vote no on Amendment uh, on, on 7 because there might be unintended consequences. Now, we're a slave state already here, Max. 100% of the people that are convicted of violent crimes in the state of Louisiana are sentenced to hard labor. And as, take it from a person who has been sentenced to hard labor. Every day in that condition of slavery and involuntary servitude is a day beneath human decency. Remember that. And that's brother, the condition that, that they want us to continue to be in. Uh, brother Curtis, I think we have uh, our special guest with us, so I'm going to go ahead and open the mic. And uh, let me, before I introduce you, let me make sure I got you. Uh, Queen Mother, is that you? All right, awesome. Uh, Today we are joined by Her Majesty Kojito Kojito Dooti Deser, Queen Mother of Republic of Benin, uh, formerly known as the King of Dahomey, as portrayed in the film The Woman King. And she's got some amazing projects she's working on. As a matter of fact, she's building an army, (laughs) just like you saw in The Woman King. So (laughs) welcome back to Abolition Today, uh, Your Majesty. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you again, Max. It's been a long time. So it's good to be on too, the show. Too long. Uh, and let me formally introduce you to Brother Curtis Davis. Curtis Davis, this is the Queen Mother. 
Your Hello, Majesty. It is such an honor. It is my pleasure and an honor to be with with a with a real warrior. That's what I was saying, right? These are the real warriors. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I'm humbled, Your Majesty. Thank you for that. <laughs> I was mentioning some of the projects that you've been involved lately, and uh, also later during this show, I wanted to give you an opportunity to say a few things, if you'd like, in regards to some of the rhetoric, oh, it's crazy rhetoric that's been coming out in regards to history. Uh, when we opened up the <laughs> show, I don't know if you heard it or not, but it started with an apology from delegates from African uh, countries in Kansas City, Kansas, just this past September. Uh, and we also know that the nation of Benin formally apologized for slavery back in 2000. You know when the United States did it? They didn't even do it as a nation. Just the House of Representatives apologized, and that was in 2008. That was eight years after Benin. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, so, yeah, and they made Barack Obama uh, make the apology, too. Right, exactly. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to uh, with these projects you've got going on. Certainly. Uh, well, uh, I um, was re-enthroned as the queen mother of the African diaspora. Uh, by re-enthroned. The, yes. Um, as I, I was uh, the queen mother of, of a religious palace. Um, in uh, Benin, uh, but now my mandate uh, is much, uh, is much more national in scope and 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 international. Um, uh, my responsibilities are not just um, focused on um, the spiritual community, but uh, the broader uh, community of African descendants. You know, with all the political and and the the, and the social and the economic and the immigration related issues that are there. Um, uh, I became also a member of the High Council of Kings. I was invited to to be a part of that prestigious uh, group of authorities. And um, and so my work, uh, let me say that uh, uh, these changes took place uh, earlier this year in February 2022. 20, uh, and so there's been a, a body of work that's been focused on uh, uh, reintroducing myself to people, Um, uh, not just as a spiritual leader, but uh, uh, a leader who has broader responsibilities and of rebranding myself. And so some of the work that I've been doing um, includes everything from trying to raising, um, raising funds for uh, an orphanage that needs to have a fence around it, an orphanage that um, uh, uh, has over the past of, uh, past four years have saved the lives of, of 1,000 um, young people who uh, would have ended up on the streets uh, somewhere. Um, so we're trying to you know, raise money for a fence. Um, so that's like one end of it. Uh, the other end of it is uh, working with members of the diaspora who are trying to uh, be repatriated. You know, I've spoken to the government of Benin about eliminating the need for visas when we travel and we visit the country, at least those of us of African descent, and um, and to expedite the process of trying to become a citizen. Um, you know, it's something that can take 10 years, and we feel 
uh, very strongly that, no, we shouldn't have to wait 10 years to be recognized as lawful citizens of uh, the, the republic. Um, and, and this is not just an issue on the African continent in Benin Republic, but on the African continent as, as a whole. Uh, it's a movement called the Droit de Retour, or the Right of Return. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the work goes from the very personal in terms of working with an individual uh, uh, organization in the country to looking at broader issues that impact uh, the diaspora, um, uh, our ability to access uh, the, the, the space of our homeland, um, and to, if we so wish, to be able to integrate and be uh, a part of that society and, and reclaim uh, the spaces that we were forced to leave behind and, and, and the cultures and the peoples that we were forced to leave behind. Um, so those are a couple of projects. And then I, I, I have my current uh, a baby that I'm nurturing, uh, which is the Imperial Corps of the African diaspora, uh, which is, as you referred to earlier, um, my uh, my effort to to build a, a, a symbolic army for uh, the the diaspora um, uh, to work with women specifically who are interested in personal change, um, but also social change. Um, you know, you would make any queen on earth jealous right now with the things that you're involved in. Uh, reparations, uh, not reparations, repatriation uh, back to Benin. Uh, you joined mm-hmm. Ghana in that effort. I believe Ghana has already set it up where they've expedited uh, the dual citizenships as well as provided land mm-hmm. for children of the diaspora. Do yeah. you also plan to uh, advocate providing land? Oh, uh I'm, I'm pursuing everything on every plane, on every level. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, keep in mind, Benin is nowhere near as large you know, geographically as, uh, as Ghana is. Um, nowhere near as large. Um, uh, so I, I don't know that uh, the, the Benin's capacity to be as generous um, <laughs> with, uh, with land is, you know, equal to that of, um, of, of, of neighboring Ghana. Um, but the fact of the matter is about 40 years ago, uh, Benin Wong's government did allocate land to the diaspora, um, a couple of hundred acres, as I recall. Uh, the problem is it was done so long ago, and there's been no consistent um, follow-up, follow-through on, uh, on the behalf of the diaspora there. Things are sort of fallen by the wayside. And um, uh, part of my task when I go back to Benin uh, early next year is to find out, well, what happened? Um, I have an idea of where the land was, but what exactly happened? Um, because 40 years is it's a, it's a, it's a good stretch of time. And um I'm not sure if there's a statute of limitations. I don't know what the terms and conditions were. So uh, getting hold of any um, memorandums of understanding, um, anything like that uh, is part of what I'm doing. Uh, There's a very small number of people from the African diaspora living in Benin. 
but the idea was uh, space has been granted to us, granted for us, um, and in many ways, what Benin has been doing very actively, at least since uh, 1992, 1994, was to uh, is to create a space for the diaspora to encourage uh, heritage and cultural tourism um, uh, and, and, and that kind of exchange. Uh, it has worked, comparatively speaking, well with countries such as Haiti and Brazil, um, uh, Cuba, uh, but not so well with uh, the United States. Um, Trinidad and Tobago and other places where we do find uh, the descendants of the kingdom of, uh, of Dahomey um, because they're English speaking. So in the Portuguese speaking places, uh, to some extent the Spanish, uh, but more so the Portuguese and other French speaking um, places where we find the diaspora, uh, the interaction, the return, uh, the investments have been coming more so from there. Um, uh, but there are many of us um, who are here in the U.S., and in fact, the last known uh, slave sh- ship to leave the, the port of Ouida and to come to the United States, to Mobile, uh, Alabama, was the Cotuga. So um, one of the first ships from, uh, from Africa to with enslaved Africans arrived uh, in Virginia, and then one of the last ships uh, was in Alabama. So there's, right. there's an important history there. Uh, you know, this uh, mention of repatriation and the love you show for the children of the diaspora is something I'm sure Brother Curtis Davis would be excited about because he was telling me the other day, you know, Max, when we finish and win these five states, we need to go to Africa and just celebrate. <laughs> so hey. I told him about two, he was like, we need to go to Benin then. <laughs> Definitely, Your Majesty. I have a a question that's often asked to me by a lot of my comrades here in the United States. Um, We talk about repatriation often. However, Mm -hmm. in the United States, we um, have access to one of the largest economies on the planet, in the history of the planet. What do you say to those of us that are interested and reaching out to our African brothers and sisters and aunties and sons and mothers and nephews and nieces and say, hey, uh, I want to do business with my people and import, export, um, whether it, I know that Benin is uh, an agricultural country, but um, yeah. whether it be coffee or soap or things that we could set up to distribute here in the United States to help develop um, some of the more poverty-stricken areas in um, the Republic of Benin, because just like the, we have extreme poverty over here, I know that you have extreme poverty there, and I believe that we should be able to work together as individual people, business people, on economic development. Do you have any ideas on that? Oh, no, absolutely. And, you know, the wonderful thing about working in a place like Benin is that uh, because it's it's a small country, um, what what you do um, in terms of investments, uh, I, I think you can feel and see the results more more quickly. 
um, one of the advantages of investing in Africa overall um, is that there aren't as many regulations to deal with uh, in most countries as you would here. Um, having said that, it is still important that uh, if you're operating a business here that you do have all the formalities um, by here, say the United States uh, and you want to work uh, abroad, you, you, you should have all of the, the formalities in place. You know that your your, your company is, is is registered, whether it's as a five hundred one c three or as uh, an LLC or w- whatever it is that you seek. Make sure that uh, those papers uh, are in place, and that whatever permissions that are needed to to do importing exporting work, that that is also taken care of. Um, similarly, I also suggest that one. Um, uh, find a partner in Benin or come to to Benin, uh, meet with uh, the, for now, with the Minister of Foreign Affairs um, uh, to get whatever help uh, to be walked through whatever processes are necessary to be able to do business uh, legitimately uh, in Benin. Uh, Benin is in the process of of um, formalizing its its marketplaces, consolidating things in such a way so that it is easier to do business there. Um, Benin has changed tremendously uh, in the past two years in terms of infrastructure development, and there's there's more work, you know, to be done. Um, but uh, uh, for instance, we we certainly need more uh, cell phone uh, towers. Um, but the roads, roads have been built and, and expanded and improved um, uh, you know, from key cities to, to one another so that the you know, trip that used to take uh, you know, nine hours to, to make because the roads were so bad um, take only two hours to make, for, for example. Um, um, so there's a lot of positive change there, but uh, – it's a country that's very formal, very stratified, and so protocols need to be in place. Um, one of the things that um, trying to get the government to do is to, like Ghana has done, um, is to set up a, a bureau or an office just for the diaspora so that uh, these kinds of issues are are addressed and they're facilitated Um uh, in in a way that uh, really understands the, the complexities and intricacies of doing business from the, the diaspora's perspective. Thank you, Your Majesty. Thank you very uh, much, Your Majesty. You're welcome. I have a Let me just say, everything is possible in Benin. Everything is possible there. Okay. Um, uh, the, the the land is rich. People are industrious. They're hardworking. Um, uh, they are they are honest for the most part. Um, um, people are, are are eager to to partner. Um, so, you know the the issue that I think most folks are going to run, and so this is one of the things that most are going to to put out there, is learn another language. Um, there's two primary languages spoken in Benin. Uh, one is French and the other is Fongbe. Um, oh, so, that is a question oh. I wanted to ask Max. Do we have time for one more question? Yeah, just want to let her finish what she was saying and then go ahead. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. But it, okay, so, go ahead. Yeah, so learn to learn the language. Um, while people in Benin, um, you know, I, I notice everybody's dropping that little bit of English on me. The the, the thank yous and the please and how are you? <laughs> That's happening more, and I'm seeing more and more schools um, on. Uh, being built that uh, that teach English. I'm hearing um, uh, uh, radio uh, stations having you know the their their hour of of, of English um, uh, on a daily basis. So everybody's making the effort to to learn English, um, but it is important that you know you learn your French uh, or you learned Fongbe uh, uh, as as well. Um, you know, one of the challenges that uh, that I I have my my role as queen mother is to prevent a kind of asymmetrical uh, growth and development and power dynamics um, uh, where uh, you know the diaspora comes in because remember there's over 200 million of us in the diaspora. Benin only has 12 million people there, but even if just one percent of the diaspora came back. You know, that would be anywhere from one to two million of us. That's that's a big difference that has a huge impact um, in in the country, and um, and given the amount of wealth that you made reference to earlier that that we actually have as African Americans, um, uh, we have the capacity to overwhelm and take over a certain aspects of business, um, certain aspects of life and culture, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to create ghettos you know, in, in, in Benin, um, and we don't want to create the kind of alienating experiences that Africans uh, in the Americas had in places like Liberia, which resulted in, in civil war. Um, so right. sort of negotiating space uh, and understanding and learning and sharing um, equally uh, is, is, uh, is an important piece uh, to this. Brother Curtis, you said you had another question. And she pretty much answered it. I was referring to Charles Taylor um, coming from Harlem to um, Liberia and the effects of African Americans coming with a white patriarchal mindset changing mm-hmm. Africa to a certain degree. And I wanted to ask how receptive would the Republic of Benin be to um some of us grassroots activists working to open English-speaking schools and um, cultural diversity schools, helping our brothers and sisters understand the dynamics of different, like um, having cultural ambassadors um, and coming with the funding to open English-speaking schools, but not necessarily just English in the sense of English, but English in the sense of kind of Ebonic African-American black culture. Well, uh, first, don't make the mistake of thinking that there isn't diversity there. There is diversity there. There's always been a diversity there, diversity among Africans themselves um, and uh, diversity with um, uh, other African descendants who have long recognized and embraced uh, their Beninois roots. So whether we're Haitians, Guadalupians, Montenegans, or, uh, or Brazilians, um, uh, there's that level of diversity there. Um, but we, as uh, English-speaking people, um, 
coming from North America have to be mindful of is not to take this missionizing position, you know, where um, we, we think we're going into a place and we're diversifying things. The place is already diversified. You're just one more voice there. There's an openness and a reception uh, to, uh, to welcoming our, our brothers and sisters from uh, from the Americas there. This is one of the reasons why there's so much work taking place in Benin um, to, to welcome and receive us. Um, uh, but, again, don't come in with that colonizing mentality. Um, uh, there are people who do speak English, uh, whether they're Americans or they're Brits, I don't know who they are, or they are, um, they, they, they speak of eubonics, that's a slightly different way of, of um, that is a different way of speaking uh, English, and that would be a novelty. I'm, I'm sure people would be uh, open to that, uh, but it, it's, it isn't about just us coming in and we're going to teach everybody English. It's also you come in, you can teach English if you want to, but make it your business to learn French. Make it your business to learn a way. And make it your, your business to, to, to learn Yoruba while you're, you're there as well. Um, because you'd be surprised how uh, just how much eubonics, you know, is influenced by Fongbe, by by Ewe, by Yoruba. Um, uh, our cultures uh, become that much richer. Um, you'll understand why we speak as we do um, when you when when you learn the the grammar, the tonalities of um, of African based languages. Thank you, Your Majesty. Um, I've got. Sure. Some- our discussion earlier, I've got about 15 minutes left with you, and i got at least three things that I want to ask you about before okay. yes, we're done. So it's past, present, and future. Uh, let's talk about the present first, all right? Uh, when you and I met, mm-hmm. there was only one state that abolished slavery in the United States. That was uh, Colorado, and you helped us with Utah and Nebraska campaigns who won. And now we got five on the ballot this year with two dozen for next year. Uh, as I mentioned yeah. earlier, you are also a slavery abolitionist. Any thoughts or advice that you give, especially with Brother Curtis here, who is facing uh, coordinated opposition uh, on this issue? Um, well, <laughs> obviously we need people to come out and vote. Um, people do need to uh, – uh, we need to understand that um, that the conversation, the discourse around slavery uh, and, and mass incarceration is, in fact, um, expanding, expanding considerably, um, whether they're, uh, they're conferences or even the issues brought up in films like The Woman King. Um, we need to take advantage of how uh, – uh, pop culture um, and, and and academic culture too, for that matter, is uh, is forcing is encouraging a much needed dialogue. But we but but the dots need to be connected. The dot needs to, dots need to be connected. When you 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 watch the Woman King, for example, and you learn because I know this is one of the three questions, right? Um, and uh, we understand um, the role that. Uh, uh, play Africans played in the enslavement of of Africans. Um, uh, uh, we we don't have to uh, submit 
um, to be disempowered by that. We can find agency in terms of flipping the script. Um, we as African descendants have the same power. Uh, we have the same agency to to change things, and it's and it's through our 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 vote. Um, it's through our voice that way. Um, uh, we can liberate ourselves and and change the language um, of uh, of the Constitution. And I and I understand um, that is one of the big things with uh, it's Amendment Number Seven, right? Um, to make yes. it clear that um, uh, that slavery and involuntary servitude is prohibited. Um, I think every opportunity that we have, uh, whether it's using UN legal instruments um, or, again, using popular culture, tie it in, get that message across um, um, so that people understand the, the, the relevancy and the importance of, uh, of the objective that's at hand. Um, Louisiana has to become uh, the next state to, to abolish slavery. Uh, especially when we know what we do um, uh, about prisons like the Angola and the extraordinarily harsh um, um, conditions um, uh, and, 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 and misery that our people suffered historically and still do uh, currently in, uh, in that state. Um, so use anything, everything uh, to get that message across. That, that's the only advice that I would would give, and if there is anything, well, in the international community that could be done, uh, uh, whether it's to encourage uh, letter writing campaigns and, and get in touch with uh, uh, various uh, non government organizations um, so that uh, uh, they are, are, are a part of this process, reach out to them, make those calls. Um, um, organize some volunteers. Um, if we got to flood uh, the, the 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 lines and the the emails, the telephone um, uh, systems of the uh, uh, I, I'm not sure judges or which uh, uh, which uh, legislative bodies. If that's what has to be done, to make the calls. There's not a whole lot of time left, right? Amen. Yeah, just a couple of years away. Yeah. Thank you, Majesty. Yeah, this year it's in the voters' hands, and the opposition is trying to confuse the issue. Um, I also want to talk about something past and present. Uh, we, I know that you enjoyed the Woman King, and we're very proud of it, and uh, you're even kind of using that as a, a bridge to start uh, your spiritual army uh, with women. Um, but yes. at the same time, there was calls for boycotts, not to watch the film at all, based on the history of the Dahomey. But as you described, it was straight carnage, coming mainly from a few people with big voices. And I know I felt disturbed sharing the messages with you uh, because they were saying things like Benin's, people of Benin's were savages, that they're sitting like fat rats getting wealthy off slavery right now, <laughs> you know, and all kinds um, of yeah. just wrongness. Uh, did you want to make any comments in regards to the film and the boycott oh. and statements that you read? Yes. Um, you know, I don't believe in boycotting uh, things and banning things, especially uh, something that could be a source of knowledge, even if there's something problematic with it. Uh, but it's information. Don't ban the thing and boycott it. You haven't seen it. You haven't read the book. Um, we can't take that 
kind of position because you know effectively what we've been talking about is is managing our social spaces and whether those social spaces mean making investments in other countries or it means um, um, liberating ourselves so that we're no longer being uh, in, incarcerated in the numbers in which we we are. Um, we can't close ourselves off to not learning, to not seeing, to not knowing. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to, and I was going to say women, but it isn't just women. It's even men who have told me when they saw that film, they were in tears. They were moved by it. And, and, you know, when you're an intelligent you know, thinking being, you know what the problem is. You know what's wrong. You know it's, it's, it's this historical fiction so that there are those problems, um, uh, the, 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 the creative liberties that are taking, taken. But fundamentally, the story is an important one. Um, and, and when we start sequestering ourselves, um, it, uh, it, it limits us. And, and some of the things that are being made, said specifically, like uh, I believe it's Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore and others, is that there's something wrong with us. You know, they're suggesting that there's a pathology that we have, that we are, are, are damaged. And um, when we attack each other that way, uh, it, 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 it doesn't allow us to find a space of justice. It doesn't allow us to, to right any wrongs. You make other people defensive. Um, what people don't understand is the trauma, uh, and, and what they don't know are the conditions, acute and extreme as they were, that led these Abujais, um to go to war, um, that led these kings to feel like, well, hell, you know, I need more money, I need more power, because so-and-so next door is about to annihilate me um, and my kingdom completely. We're not there. It's a problem. And you know, I, I've asked, well, what would you have done if you were facing uh, a, a, a kind of, um, what you call it, genocide? And it's something that we're facing still today as African mm-hmm. people, African descendant people, um, manifestations of, of genocide. It's, it's slow, it's subtle, it's a, it's a slow burn, um, but that's what it is. And, and something similar, I believe, was happening um, in uh, in, in that period, in, in especially in the 19th uh, century, uh, when the uh, the Agoje were probably at their largest and at their uh, their their height, um, but, it, but you know, in not knowing our history and sticking, you know, I always say you can stick your head your, your head in the sand if you want to, but that exposes your ass, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and so uh, doing that doesn't help. Um, uh, we need to know everything that we can because we need to hold each other accountable. We need to hold each other accountable. Um, uh, talking about rich kings, um, there are so few of them on the African continent, and there are certainly, I don't know of any in, in Benin, to tell you the truth. The idea of kings and queens um, on the African continent is not like what you see. It's not Queen Elizabeth's you know, kingdom and queendom. Um, it, 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 it's, it's not the European vision of, of castles and palaces and, and the trade of um, the, the trafficking of African people uh, uh, from the six, well, for, for 500 years effectively created a major uh, brain drain on the African continent. Um, so the Africans themselves uh, have suffered 
uh, from this, um, in addition to what it did uh, to us. Um, uh, but, but having said that, uh, you know, as, as a monarch, as uh, a member of the Council of Kings, I have asked the Council of Kings to issue an apology. The state of, of, of Benin um, did make an apology for enslavement in 2002. That is the state. But as kings, as the queen mothers, as Pojito, um, uh, as uh, Ahosu, uh, and all the various other titles that uh, uh, we, we, we have, as sovereigns, as sovereigns, um, we operate in many ways independently of the state. Um, uh, and since the accusation is being levied against the kingdom, and the fact of the matter is the state, the Benin Republic did not exist at that time mm-hmm. legally. It was the kingdom of Dahomey. So mm-hmm. the kings themselves have to issue an apology. And so I'm working uh, with, uh, with them, encouraging um, uh, them to do that. And trust me, there's pushback. There is much pushback. There's pushback because, uh, you know, how dare you? Um, there's pushback because I am a woman. Um, and I do have to remind them I am a woman king, um, uh, even though, you know, the nature of patriarchy is as long as you, as long as you're a woman, you're never going to be equal to a man. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not a breed. I'm another animal this way. And so I push back, you know, and, and it, because it is very much about taking that position of, of we fight or we die. Um, and, 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 and part of that fight, is a fight for reparations. Um, part of that fight is uh, is self reparations. Um, you can't get anything from someone who doesn't have anything to give you. But an apology is a start. An apology is a start. Recognition of fault is is a start. Uh, uh, because for me, looking at things practically, you want me to come and invest. You want me to contribute and build. I'm happy to do so. But let's not get things twisted. You did do something in the past that was hurtful to me and continues to harm me in some way, even if it's just psychically. It's, it's, it's necessary for us, if we're going to move forward, that you acknowledge that wrong. And, 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 and we identify you know, terms of engagement so that we can move forward and create a place of, of trust, build, rebuild, um, voluntarily, uh, in love, willfully, uh, to, together. Um, uh, this is a, a process that has to take place, not just in, uh, in Dahomey, uh, but, but elsewhere. Um, Ghana has been very good about being at the forefront of, of, of uh, much of this. So has uh, Nigeria. Um, Benin has stayed under the radar, um, and it's really time for uh, for us to to come out of that and take full ownership of that space, uh, we're doing so in, in in so many ways already. Um, but this is an important piece that uh, has to happen. So I'm pushing for uh, for for that in in addition to some of the other things that I've mentioned. Your Majesty, we have a few minutes left, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to uh, direct our audience in anywhere you want, or give any final comments you want. But if you don't mind, I, I wouldn't mind taking a couple of quick calls. Is that okay with you? 
Oh, absolutely. That's good. Great. All right. So let's go ahead and bring in the first one. I see your hands up over there. 8762, you're on Abolition Today with Curtis Davis, Max Parthas, and the Queen Mother of the Republic of Benin. Oh, 8762? Yes. Oh, my dumb. Bonsoir, c'est Karen. Bonsoir, la Bonsoir. 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 C'est très madame. Um, I just wanted to say um, thank you for explaining uh, the story of the woman king. I watched it three times, and it's just an honor to see the second queen um, and to listen to you guys. I love Abolition Today. I am a huge fan. There is no other show like Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sister Corinne. Queen Mother? I, I didn't. Was there a question? Um, I mean, I want to thank you, and I'm grateful <laughs> that you saw the the, the film because uh, uh, you know uh, th- there's something called a master reading of something um, where you 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 read a book at least two times, three times, so you really know what its content is. And sometimes I think the same thing has to be done uh, with with films, um, uh, especially if there's uh, important historical content there. Go there just to enjoy it or not. Go there a second time to to analyze its narrative. Uh, if you can go there a third time and look at all the technical um, uh, components uh, uh, to it, um, and 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 comment on that. Um, so I'm I'm glad you are. Well, my question is: Do you think they don't like the history, or do you think they don't like the black skin on their screen? That's my question. Well. I would venture to say that the people who are making the most vicious critiques look like us. Yep. So it can't be that I would hope it's not that they don't like the, the color of the black skin on the film, because these are people of African descent themselves making uh, comments like, um, I actually wrote uh, some of them down, um, uh, uh, that speaks to... Um, you know, Hollywood has played in the face of descendants of slaves for far too long. Now they're glorifying uh, African slave traders with the woman king and uh, showcasing uh, their blacks in blackface. Um, when, uh, so these are our own brothers and sisters who are making this uh, remarks. I think their problem is with the nature of the narrative. They think that uh, the, uh, the film isn't being truthful. And there are some problems with the film in terms of, yeah, they have opposed King Gezo as a momentary abolitionist. He was an abolitionist when it was convenient for him. Um, uh, and, and then he went back to the slave trade. Yes, but that is a problem. But my thing is, why are you expecting a film? Why are you expecting a film whose intention is to make money in a capital system to, to inform you? Go read the book. Um, go look in archives. Go do your research. Get on a plane. Go to the country. Visit. Talk to the people. Um, go to their museum. Um, learn that way. Don't expect a Hollywood film to spoon feed you. That's not what their job is. And if you don't like the movie also, go make your own. That's my position. Go make your own. Don't expect a system that is not intended to lead you full. You know, that is not what its task is, to lead you full. Um, to to do just that, um, we we can appreciate the work that is done. I embrace uh, Viola Davis's work. I embrace uh, Gina Blythewood 
Prince, I, I, I embrace their participation in that. I'm even grateful to those two white women who, whatever the circumstances were, that took them to Benin to tell that story. Because some of us have known the story a whole lot. Like the, the other side of the Agoje, which is why I'm against this idea of boycotting something, um, is the Agoje, as ferocious as they were, uh, doing their job, protecting their kingdom, right? Uh, they did that on the African continent. And those same women, those same Agoje, brought those values that we fight or we die. We're clear about where we stand to the Americas. And those women, um, like uh, 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 Abadara uh, Toyo, trained um, uh, Christophe Henry in African martial arts. Um, those women fought in the Haitian Revolution, uh, and, uh, uh, which brought about the end of, of enslavement. That was the biggest abolitionist movement. Um, so then we had one job. That job was to, to fight and to protect the state or protect the throne. You may not like who's on the throne, but that's what their job is. And and they did it. Um and uh and they the these are uh they're they're these women were fighters, um, but they were also conscious of what they were doing for for reasons good and bad. Um but when you're in an army, you don't have a whole lot of choice about things. You're there for a reason. It's your your job. You do it. The issue of ethics and mores, um, that's another that's another problem. Uh, but I do. I'm not defending them, but at the same time, I'm arguing that uh, uh, they recognize who the enemy was on one side of the Atlantic. They also recognize who the enemy was on the other side of the Atlantic. And so the pendulum swings one way, and it swings back the other um, to try to create a state of of balance. And what everybody else who is not a part of that army does afterwards, that's on us. Um, but, you know, they did their job. And, and our job is to understand that and to move that agenda forward in terms of our own liberation. Uh, thank you for the commentary. That was uh, Karen Sita out of Vermont, one of the states that is on the ballot this year. And she's a slavery abolitionist and an aspiring attorney working towards that goal. Queen Mother, I know it's I just my time for you to go now, uh, but we do have one have more a few person minutes. up. You do? All right. Yes, we'll yes. take this one more call, and then I want to uh, give my thanks to you and give you some time to say whatever you want to say. So we're going to go with 8535. You're on Abolition Today uh, with Curtis, <laughs> Max, and Queen Mother. Hey, peace, Max. Peace, Curtis. This is uh, oh, Brother a... Yusuf. That is, that is me. Peace, brother. <laughs> Yeah, we never made it to the wedding because my mother took ill and had to spend some time in the hospital. So I'm just here at, you know, home just north of Baltimore, you know, just taking care of her as she, you know, mends. But I just wanted to call in really quickly to uh, greet you, Your Majesty, in the highest form of greeting, you know, befitting, you know, a woman of your stature. And also just... Uh, thanking you so much because of your stature, taking on slavery abolition, because we know many who reach higher levels, you know, in a society kind of separate themselves from the commoners. This is kind of like a commoner type situation, you know, to Mm -hmm. people in power, you know, that it's not something that 
you know, they get involved in. So I'm kind of curious as to uh, your peers and how they feel Mm -hmm. about your involvement in slavery abolition. Um, Well, my my peers haven't quite figured out who I am and what I'm doing and why, Um, and that's okay. I take advantage of that. People here don't get me. People at IET don't get me. Um, people on the African continent don't get me. It's okay. <laughs> I, I know who I am, and 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 uh, the Most High and the ancestors know why they put me here, and I'm doing my task. Eventually, everyone will figure it out. Uh, but part of my, my task and my responsibility is to make sure that things are kept in check, is to make sure that we have a kind of overstanding of, 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 of things, of who we are, that we, we understand how our lives are connected uh, to one another, um, how we can ill afford to distance ourselves from, uh, from each other and from each other's fate. You know, uh, I'm a voodoo priest, uh, and there is this notion of moon, of people, of community, um, this notion that you might know better of Ubuntu. Um, uh, simply, I am uh, because you are, but it's really more mm-hmm. about my humanity is defined by you. My humanity is defined by how I treat you, by how I recognize you. Um, and so regardless of what status I, I, I occupy, what throne I sit on, what crown I bear on my head, my humanity um, is, is, is just that. And it doesn't mean anything if I don't recognize and I can't take the resources that I have. Because for me, that is what is being majestic. Um, we have been uh, provided with certain gifts, with certain resources by the Most High. That is, that is the thought among all, all, uh, all kings and queens. Our power comes from above. Our power comes from above uh, because we're also given with a certain, a certain amount of wisdom and, and foresight and ability to manage resources. And when we understand that we are part of Kanda, we are part of Moon, we are part of community, we have to manage resources so that there's a state of justice for all, um, that uh, everybody's living conditions um, uh, reflect what a human being uh, should have to, uh, to maintain or regain his or her dignity. Um, that as human beings, that we, we have the spaces and the liberty and the freedom that we need um, to eat, to move, to love, to, to, to grow, to find happiness, um, to uh, correct ourselves if we've made errors. Um, that is our responsibility as, as, as sovereigns to manage those resources because our resources are just material. They're also uh, moral ones. They're, 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 they're values. Um, it's 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 knowledge is it's it's wisdom, um, and 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 for me, uh, a real leader is a servant, and that servant has the capacity to learn from a child because we don't know uh, where the divine is and how she <laughs> he manifests um, uh, uh, it, 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 itself, um, and so I I won't take that kind of attitude where I'm, I'm distanced. I distance myself from those who, uh, from those whom I serve, you know, yes, you see me, you have to prostrate and refer to me as her majesty. Yes. There's all of that. 
but I'm also clear about who is serving whom, and I'm here to serve you. Thank you so much for the queen, Mother. Uh, Max, I pass it over to you. Max, you may be muted. Oh, sorry about that. I I want to say (laughs) thank you, uh, Your Majesty, for spending time here with us today on Abolition Today and also continuing to help us fight this thing called slavery here, which is practiced through the Constitution of the United States of America and their state constitutions. We are so appreciative, as always, of your efforts and your voice. Uh, Brother Curtis, uh, would you like to make any final comments to the Queen Mother? Of course. Your Majesty, again, I would want you to leave this call understanding that I have the utmost respect for you as a ruler, as a symbol of hope for all of the diaspora, and continue to do what you do. I look forward to meeting you in person. I'm going to talk that into existence. (laughs) Me and Max and our crew are going to come and sit before your throne. Thank you very much for encouraging us. And I know now with your uh, ruler priestesshood, I'm going to win this fight in Louisiana. Thank you very much oh, for yes. being here today. Yes, yes. yes sir. And, and so I'm commanding everybody who's in my uh, listening range of my voice, light your white candles for our brother. Light your white candles um, yes. in the name of your ancestors and to, uh, to, to have Amendment uh, 7. Uh, seven. In Louisiana next month. I thank you, man. <laughs> born too. Okay, thank you. Uh, Queen Been Mother, is there anything you like, yes. anywhere you would like our audience to go to, visit, or anything like that? Yes, I would like everybody to take a look at the website. Um, uh, I, I don't know, I still have a link to it, but it's uh, the World Wide Web, you know, uh, Imperial Core, C O R P S, Agoje, which is A J, uh, pardon, uh, uh, a G as in girl, yes. Double yes. O, D as in David, J as in Jack, I E. Uh, so Imperial Core Agoje as one word. Uh, dot org. Uh, for those of you who are interested in learning about um, the divine uh, feminine as warrior uh, and want to bring about personal change. And uh, and eventually social change and be of uh, the royal palace. Um, uh, go there, find the information, uh, sign up for our classes. We're going to start them at the end of this month. Uh, there will be classes on uh, uh, spiritual warfare, on nutritional warfare, psychological warfare, and spiritual warfare. And those of you who want to come to Benin um, in January, where we learn the dances, the prayers, the the songs of the Agoje where uh, we learn African martial arts uh, and, and, and visit some of the places, the important historical places of the Agoje, but of the African diaspora in general. Uh, there's information on the site about that. Uh, and you can also uh, reach me by way of WhatsApp at uh, 1-917-539-3444. Um, so you can text me there at one nine one seven five three nine seven two five two, and I, I I thank you, Brother Curtis. I I I thank you, Brother Max. It's been my great pleasure and honor to be with your company again. Uh, I say indeed, uh, my sister. And Travel Rain sends her love and thanks too as well. She just sent me the message. Yeah. 
Thank you. Amen. We'll talk to you again soon. You have a blessed night. Yes. And if you're not doing anything, feel free to continue to tune in because we're going to be rocking it with some music next. <laughs> oh, I know right, you please. are. Uh, you know, <laughs> Thank <roll>. you. <laughs> All right. So you just heard the Queen Mother of the Republic of Benin. Uh, she joined us here today uh, with Curtis Davis as our special guest host. And we are going to go into a music break. This is Ryan Davis, the comedian. Um, and he has a few things to say about This is America, and that's going to be followed by DMX, Who We Be. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition Abolition. Today. No living white person has owned a slave. Black people got to stop blaming people for their issues and clean up their own communities. Slavery was a long time ago. Black people need to get over it. That's what continuously is told to me. Now, before I respond, <laughs> I'm going to need you guys to share this video. I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to spread false information. Everything that I'm about to say is 100% true. You can look it up to see. And I'm not going to say anything that makes people uh, cringe, at least language-wise. All right. Let's not dwell on the past. Let's go to modern history. All right, so so now we have crack flooded through the black communities all through the late 80s into the 90s. And black people are like, please help us. This is tearing apart our community. So then comes the crime bill. Did this crime bill stop bringing drugs into the community? No, it did not stop the flood of illegal weapons or guns into the community. It just put everybody in the community in prison. Did it offer drug rehabilitation for the whole community? No, it did not. It left the crackheads to raise the children. This is 1994. This is the 90s. Y'all remember the 90s? Sure, because I'm pretty sure by now, if you're watching this video, you were probably alive in the 90s. And after this bill incarcerated more black people than ever before in the history of the U.S., businesses decided to get in business with prisons because you could get free labor. And I know some of y'all might go, you can't get free labor. That's slavery. Well, according to the 13th Amendment, you know, that abolished slavery, slavery became illegal except, guess where, prisons, which are disproportionately (laughs) filled with what? Black people. Mass incarceration is modern-day slavery. Also, when you get out and you want to change your life, you can't because people don't treat felons the same way, no matter what your felony is, and you're not allowed to vote. And since pretty much one in every three black men have been or will go to prison, we lose 33% of our voting power. And all of this is prevalent today. Now that you know, ask yourself what are you going to do about it to change it? Because it's true. There's so many that don't know. This is not my kill. The drugs, the children, the thugs, the kids. 
how many other black geniuses have we lost that didn't get an opportunity to take the world stage, to get on the platform, to show the sincerity of the struggle that they had in their heart. And that's a problem that we have in the United States of America right now because we have so many of our young brothers and sisters that are incarcerated on these slave plantations. And I was there for 25 years, and I promised myself that I would leave and I would not leave you behind. We're going to make sure that those brothers and sisters know that they are loved and that we're going to continue to fight for them with every breath that we have in our bodies. So, yeah, happy Juneteenth, listening family, but slavery still legal. <laughs> yeah, man, DMX killed it in that. That's uh, Tribal's favorite track of his, as a matter of fact. Uh, she calls it her theme song. They don't know who we be. And they don't know these things that he mentioned. Like, when you talk about mass incarceration, it's not something in a vacuum, just two words that exist. You're talking about how it affected entire generations of people's lives and how we ended up where we're at today because of the things that happened then. He talked about the 94 crime bill, and, and look at the damage it has done. And you wonder why things are the way they are today is because back then, what did they say then? Hillary Clinton said, oh, this is a well-thought-out bill. And then in 2020, it was like, oh, those were unintended consequences. Those are the type of unintended consequences that we see happening day in and day out within the black community and the brown and red community here in the United States. My brother, Ilamba, um, that is um, incarcerated in Louisiana, often said that the crime bills were, starting with Nixon, were the new black code. They, they knew exactly what they were doing, and they created the um, prison industrial complex on purpose. When you look at um, people like President Joe Biden, people are not understanding right now that it was his authorship um, of certain crime bills that led millions of our people into the condition of slavery. Um, of course, he's apologized for it now, but that's being disingenuous and, of course, like I say, I'm intellectually dishonest because these people are rogue scholars. They're very intelligent people. They know mm-hmm. what the effect of the legislation is going to be. So when we fight against these laws in um, these are our individual states, we have to understand it's not always in the best interest of even some of the people that are melanated. Like Chuck B say, every brother ain't a brother because of color. They will fight us down and keep us enslaved so that they're – um, children can go to the best schools or they can continue to pay their mortgages. And I want that to be um, understood by everybody in this listening audience. Whoever doesn't want the repeal of slavery and involuntary servitude in the United States of America is not a friend of the African-American community because we are disproportionately um, affected by this, and it was designed specifically to marginalize our children into infinitum. As you said during this, your uh, discussion on the press conference, slavery is already legal in Louisiana. It's already a slave state. So when it comes to November 8th and you have to make a vote, you're either going to vote pro-slavery or anti-slavery, one or the other. Ain't no middle ground. Not voting means you go, you decided that slavery is okay and you're just going to let it go ahead and continue. Um, so there's no middle ground on this. Get out and vote. For Amendment 7, yes, so that you can change this language and begin to do the right thing in this prison state. Curtis? 
Max, even the Black Caucus of Louisiana, and said, well, let's just worry about doing this next year. We're talking mm-hmm. about something that should have been done 157 years ago that nobody has thought about doing, but they put paper and ink together, spent money and resources to tell our people to vote no. Where do they do that at? That's Ebonics, by the way. America. America does that. Uh, and it comes from, it'd be your own people. Isn't that the statement? It'd be your own people. The man who it'd introduced be your the bill own for people. us. He's the one now standing shoulder to shoulder with one of the nine white supremacists who said, no, we want slavery in Louisiana, and telling people like you who have done the actual work on the ground that you're going to do it again because he wants you not to do to finish up what you started. <laughs> like, are you crazy? Oh, you didn't wow. do nothing. I mean, you said, my family you said, has been threatened, Max. My, my financial future has been threatened by this. They don't understand the sacrifices that we have to go through to get something like this done because right. potentially a lot of people do not want the status quo to change. They don't want it to change. And uh, that's a shameful circumstance. And if you are down with people like that right now, then you're pro-slavery because you already got slavery and you don't want to get rid of it. That's pro-slavery. That's the definition of pro-slavery in Louisiana. You're not going to get this chance again. Take it while you got it. This is history being made. It's your first opportunity to do something that was supposed to be done 157 years ago, except for the cunning of the white supremacists in the last bastion of Jim Crow in the United States, Louisiana. And don't tell me what they thought or what they wouldn't do, because we just finished uh, ending unconstitutional 10 and 2 juries. We just did that, like last year. (laughs) Yes, sir. Exploit everything. And our people um, are, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now you know. And as Abolition Today says, what do you say, Max, at the end of every show? Uh, you may look the you other can. way, but you can never again say that you did not know. There you go. So now you know. So if you're acting against the abolition of slavery anywhere in the United States, you're complicit in your own oppression. Believe that. And that in, that so, includes willful ignorance, too. If you know and you choose to act like you don't know, man, you need to be powder slapped through the virtual arena here. I wish I could powder slap you all right through the damn phone or the <laughs> airwaves. Or Draymond Green you right quick. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> right? Man, because we're talking about Louisiana, man. Remember what just happened with Ronald Green. This is the condition black people are in. Uh, even in the film that we rec- recommend uh, – people watch do not resist one of the examples they use of the militarized police who are just got their boot all over our necks is in that film in louisiana where they show up at somebody's house tear the freaking house apart the swat team tear the house apart terrorize the children everybody looking for weed and then they found a little bit bit of dust in the bottom of a baby's backpack out in the backyard and tried to accuse them of uh, having weed in Louisiana. And then they couldn't do it, so they packed the shit up and walked away. They never said, I'm sorry. They never said, we're going to pay for any of this. They just destroyed the people's house. That's how we got to live, Curtis. And I want to say this. The whole concept of the United States of America is based on this activity. So if you are black or if you are white or any color in the spectrum, you have to understand 
that the Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson was based on warrantless searches, was based on over-exerting um, repressive police tactics by King George and, and, and the, the royalty of Britain at that time. If the most American thing that you can think to do is fight against this, fighting against police brutality, fighting against economic exclusion, fighting against slavery, forced labor, dehumanizing other human beings. Because um, as I said, um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I actually believe that. So get out there, let's do this work, and let's change America for the better to what it could be. Try to tell you. Man, and instead we hear voices from people like Florida Governor Governor DeSantis, who was recently uh, telling us that nobody uh, said slavery was wrong until the uh, Americans did it in what was it 1776 and no no 1865. That's when they did it because up until that nobody was saying it was wrong. You got the governor of freaking Florida. Saying some craziness like the first African to ride in the 20 and some odd Negroes was not an abolitionist. <laughs> like the first one to get here was an abolitionist. Think about this, Brother Max. That same governor, Governor DeSantis, was um, a few weeks ago shipping immigrants around trying to expose them at um, Vice President Kamala Harris's house, and now mm-hmm. they're accepting immigrants to do the work of the destruction of Hurricane Ian. If that's not hypocrisy, I don't know what it is. You can work for us, but we want we we only want you when we need you, right? Hypocrisy is so deep in America on every side of this story, man. Even what we were just talking about with the Queen Mother in regards to the boycotts with straight hypocrisy. Because the only time I see these type of boycotts coming out from this particular group is when it's about uh, a film about slavery or about the history of black people in America. So they boycotted Harriet when that came out because they didn't like the fact that the lead actress was from Britain. Then they boycotted, uh, what's the uh, brother's name, that they accused him of rape. Uh, help me out here, Yusuf, or Nat Turner. Uh, they boycotted Nat Turner. Yeah, Nat Turner. Right? Nat Turner. It said, yeah, it said the director was a rapist, and he had been exonerated. The man was innocent, and it had been proven. But nonetheless, that was what they used for that one. Um, they even boycotted Pam. A lot of times they use black people as shadow white supremacists. So that's a part of black faith. That's putting resources be- behind black organizations to denounce black causes. And those people are more dangerous to our community than crack dealers. You don't never see them boycotting the History Channel, though, you know, <laughs> which is constantly <laughs> lying about history. You don't see them doing that. You don't see them boycotting oh, that's not what other about, films. Brother. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost as if you don't want a black film about our history, whether it's false, fictional, or correct, to ever see the light of day. And that's crazy. I don't understand it. And these are the same folks who are in denial of legalized slavery. You know, they, they don't mention it, but they know about it. They pretend it don't exist, and they go on about what their other agendas are. So, yeah, it's it's very hypocritical. Even the nation itself, um, it, America, for instance is boycotting or uh, sanctioning nations like China where they say they use prison labor to make their commercial goods. But, well, damn it, what do you think they're doing here? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, sir. 
What do you think you're doing but here? But the thing about what they know about what they're doing here, Brother Yusuf and Brother Max, is that they know our people don't know. We don't read what happens behind the walls, stays behind the walls, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, this, this is our point. And what you're doing at Abolition today with um, Brother Yusuf, you guys are shining a light in very, very dark regions of the American psyche, right? So once that light gets there, light kills bacteria. Light kills the germs um, of, of racism, um, the germs of exploitation and this hypocrisy. So continue to shine that light, and that's going to be part of the way that we get free. And when I say we, I mean us. Yes, sir, we will. We are committed uh, for sure. We're going to see this thing. Speaking of, earlier we mentioned that you have opposition and this organized opposition. We named at least one name. Also, there's CBAL. Uh, I know you don't want to say his name. I'm going to say, him, say his name. Senator uh, CBAL, who was one of the biggest propon- proponents to this bill or opponents to this bill uh, from the very beginning. But recently, you even had an article came out in the L.A. Illuminator uh, where they talked about Amendment 7, and they literally lied about what it says on the, the actual ballot. They, they changed the words on purpose in order to scare people. They said, our current Constitution says that slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited, except in the latter cases of punishment for a crime. The council, uh, what is it, CABL, what does that stand for, for a better council? council on a better Louisiana. On a better Louisiana. Overview explains, and this is watch how they lie. Compare that with the wording of this amendment: slavery and involuntary servitude are prohibited, comma, but this does not apply to the otherwise lawful administration of the justices of the criminal justice system. It doesn't say that. A total misreading and rewrite of the bill. Rewrite of it. Why would you lie publicly? Like we ain't gonna call you out on that. It's, it doesn't say slavery and voluntary servitude are prohibited, comma. There's no bust this. It says period, period. And that right. causes so much confusion, uh, man. These people should be sued. Because you know, if, like, if you see it on TV, Matt, or if you read it in black and white, it must be true. That's how people feel, and that's why right. it causes so much stuff. You know what I'm saying? That, that came out in the newspaper, so it must be true. And that that is what we fight against. We are fighting against wickedness in high places so continue mm-hmm. to encourage this fight thank you for giving us the platform to let our real soldiers and our warriors that are mavens that can correct this with barbershops and beauty salons and in their, their their breakfast tables at the dinner table at the churches they need to talk about this what is worse than 100 percent slavery that we already have right now but <laughs> <No. laughs> i mean what are the unintended consequences it's, it's just nuts, uh, and they know that if you say a lie enough in enough places that people will believe it because they don't do any research. They should go by what they heard, and it's shameful to you live your life as somebody's hand puppet, but there are so many of us out there who don't dig any further than the surface, very superficial when it comes to understanding the world around us. All right, I see that we still have one hand up. we got about 10 minutes left in the program, so let's bring in one uh, caller here. Um, and 8762, uh, Karen, I believe. Uh, did you have another question or comment? 
I just wanted to say hi to Brother Curtis. I am rereading your book, Slave States, and everybody's asking about it when I read it on the bus, wherever I'm going, because it is powerful. You are a writer. You are an author. I'm glad I met you. And um, I'm glad that, that Louisiana's going to pass this, because they know they're going to pass this, and I'm ready for the gumbo parties. That's my comment. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> hey, that, that's um, for, for our listeners, that's Miss Black Vermont, as a matter right? of fact. And um, Sister, I have a question for you. I know we only got a couple of minutes, but could you tell our listeners that you were actually from the um, continent of Africa, right? And your your people come from what used to be the kingdom of Dahomey. Yes, my dad actually, when uh, you guys came to Vermont and you guys had the Angola presentation with uh, the mm-hmm. 1619 Project at the Richard Camp Center, my dad did tell me that my family has roots on the Angola tribe because they took a lot of um, Central Africans, which is what I am. I'm from the Democratic Republic of Congo. My cousin is Olive Sita, who is the was the first lady of the Congo under Kabila, who is controversial. So that's for us to talk about at a dinner table. But um, yes, yes I say by African people, we must come together. African, black, same thing. You know, we all got to come together. This is our time to spend our monies and dollars for our people and our freedom. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Thank you, Greg. Uh, yeah, I want to bring in another caller that we got a hand up, uh, 5348. You're on Abolition Today with Max and Curtis and Yusuf and Corinne. 5348. Hey, this is Savannah. Hey, Savannah. I'm just Savannah kicking Elders. in with you guys. I missed <laughs> the first part of it, but, man, I just wanted to tell Curtis, like, you're doing such a fabulous job, and, you know, I understand the opposition that you're against, and you explained it so eloquently uh, at the press conference and even here this evening. Um, so, honestly, like as Max always says, you know, you can't turn a blind eye. Um, people know what what we're up against, um, so they make a decision um, when they choose not to get involved in the work that you're doing. But I just really wanted to commend you on everything that you're doing in Louisiana. Uh, and just know that, like, you know, we recognize you, we appreciate you so much, and uh, whatever we can do to support you, we will do. Thank you so much. Savannah, we Thank saw you at the, at the <laughs> news conference. You're going to make dog hosting that queen thank you queen curtis savannah um we're gonna win in louisiana the fight in texas and the um the next year is going forward with us working throughout the rest of the united states to hopefully eventually ratify our our the 13th amendment into the 28th amendment with the help of um, Senator Merkley out of Oregon and Senator, is it Ibrahim out of Georgia? It's a Congresswoman. Yeah, go ahead. Nakima Williams out of Georgia. Congresswoman Nakima. Nakima, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, this fight in Texas, if you guys think that we were, we're under opposition in Louisiana, watch next year when the real uh, white supremacists Block comes out in the largest state in the United mm-hmm. States of America. So we have to be there to help Savannah because she's going to be, if I'm under threat here, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for protection over my sister, but even have the, the, um, 
the ovarian testitude seduces, right? So to just be woman and queen enough to stand against what even your brothers in that state is not standing up for, I commend you. And I got your back, I promise, to death. Solidarity, peace. It certainly takes well, a I'm level. calling you. I got your number, Curtis, so don't be making no empty promises because I'm calling all the troops. I'm calling everybody to Texas because it is going to take a group effort, but I know we mm-hmm. can do it. And, again, like, um, you know, Louisiana and Tennessee, Alabama, the southern states are setting the blueprint, and, you know, people are watching. So I am learning just as much from you guys um, just about how I can, you know, structure uh, my own state campaign here in Texas. But I'm ready for it. I want to echo the opinions that you did a great job of hosting the press conference the other day. Um, That was awesome. And I want to give a shout-out to Georgia Me too. Georgia Me closed out our press conference with a poem she wrote specifically for the Abolish Slavery National Network. What I didn't know uh, when we put that together was that the very next day she was on the Tonight Show with Killer Mike doing a duet of his new uh, single that's out. So shout out to Sister Georgia May. She's also a slavery abolitionist, uh, Peabody Emmy Award winner. Uh, but yeah, great job, Savannah. You you did wonderful, especially your opening statement. For all us young queens, this is the queen that we should be watching. So we know when it's our turn to take our crown how to run royalty, because there's none like you. How do you think she got to be the lead organizer for the ASNN? Because it takes a certain level of badassery just to be doing what we're doing, and she has quite a bit of badassery. Badassery. That's been my campaign slogan, <laughs> Miss Badassery. I need a T-shirt, Max. say queen. <laughs> no, I like badassery. Queen badassery. I'm glad I can help identify that for you. Awesome. So, yeah, that would be a good T-shirt to wear, the queen badassery. I'm looking forward to it. All right, well, we're coming up on the end of the program, and I want to give everybody a chance to say just a few quick words, if you'd like. Uh, let's start with Brother Yusuf. Uh, anything you want to say? And uh, you should have been taking care of your mama and relaxing instead of being here today. <laughs> Oh, she, she's resting now, so that's why I had right. time to call in. You know, uh, I just want to, you know, just give a huge, huge acknowledgement towards the five state representatives that were on the press conference this week. You know, everyone just did such a tremendous job. Uh, Curtis, that statement you made, it was just so powerful when you said, yeah, it's easy for people to say it won't do anything. You know, for anyone, I'm paraphrasing for someone who hasn't been through it, you know, and that just carried so much weight. And, I mean, I've repeated it probably 30 or 40 times since I heard it, you know. So I just want to commend you for that because that was such a powerful statement. And I think that's the perfect answer for, oh, this isn't going to change anything, you know. Uh, But, again, tremendous job for everyone that was involved with that. And I definitely uh, co-sign what everyone's saying about Savannah, you know, and her hosting and, yeah, I'm loving that badassery. Uh, just, you know, I'm still <laughs> overwhelmed and relishing in the queen's answer to my question and how she just mentioned about, you know, the connection through humanity. Like, this is a human issue that we're talking about, you know, so it's appealing to everyone's humanity. 
If you can't get behind this as a human being, then we need to start ripping off your skin to see if you're one of them aliens from V or They Live and all of them types of movies because you can't be a human being and be okay with slavery. That's all I have to say. Max, tremendous job this evening. Curtis, tremendous job standing in as a guest and a co-host. So, you know, thank you so much for that, brother. Uh, And that's all I have to say. Peace to the abolitionist, death to the oppressor. (laughs) Brother uh, Johanan back in the day used to say that all the time. All right, Sister Karen. That I'm a number one fan. There is none like abolition today. You know I say that all the time. Unlike y'all. Uh, Brother Curtis, I want to thank you for joining me today, not only as you said as a guest, but also as a co-host helping me manage tonight's program. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you, uh, and I'm looking forward to that victory lap in Africa that we spoke about. Curtis? Yes, sir. I wanted to say um, I had to fill some pretty big shoes tonight stepping in for Yusuf Hassan. Um, think about the articulation, not just the knowledge base that he has. <laughs> Not just the knowledge base that he has, but his ability to articulate his thoughts and his encyclopedic understanding of the history of black people. So thank you for the opportunity. I, I was humbled when Max asked me to do it. I'm like, man, I got to step in for you. Bro. Who want to follow that type of act, right? But um, I'm always encouraged by you, brother. Thank you for everything you've taught and mentored to me. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing you back next week. The Black Einstein, that's what we should call Thank you, brother. All right, man. Uh, Now that we had our group hug, (laughs) we're going to kick ass and take names. Um, I want to go ahead and start thanking our sponsors and the people that make this possible every week, and that's Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, who named the program and got us set up for the first year of our efforts here, more than a year, Um, and demanded that... uh, Max come in and do this show however he wanted to do it, <laughs> and I've been doing that. Uh, shout out to IME Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network. They were the ones who organized the largest prison work strike in the history of the United States back in 2017 with, uh, I believe it was like 13 or 14 states or cities that were marching in support of that while we went to Washington, D.C. Same urge, uh, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, uh, Sister Star Smith out there, uh, who is the clerk for Same Urge, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, where I broadcast from every week right here in South Carolina, Prismatic Dreams, who does all of our production work, and, uh, of course, the Abolish Slavery National Network, which we have seen birth right here on this program and come to where they are today. So shout out to the ASNN. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube page, uh, that's Abolition Today on YouTube, for all the news information and music you hear on the program. Abolition Today is available on all major podcast platforms. Also, remember to join the movement at AbolishSlavery.us to become a part of the solution. Next week, we're going to hear from lead abolitionist organizers in Oregon on behalf of Measure 112. That's right. We're bringing our folks back from Whitetopia because that's what it was supposed to be. Oregon was supposed to be a utopia for white people, and finally, we are ending slavery there. Uh, This week's Bridging the Gap is a must-hear. You're going to want to share this whole episode, of course. This is certainly a must-hear. I'm certain most have never heard it, and that is for a reason. It is, in my opinion, the most important speech ever given by the great orator Frederick Douglass. In 1888, 
on the 26th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, Frederick was invited to speak in Washington, D.C. What he said shook the nation. The name of the speech says it all. I denounce this so-called emancipation as a stupendous fraud. And tonight you hear part one of two. Now, let us reveal what has been hidden. And until next week, think about abolition today. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Friends and fellow citizens, it has been my privilege to assist in several anniversary celebrations of the abolition of slavery in the District of Columbia. But I remember no occasion of this kind when I felt a deeper solicitude for the future welfare of our emancipated people than now. The chief cause of anxiety is not in the condition of the colored people of the District of Columbia. Though there is much that is wrong and unsatisfactory here, but the deplorable condition of the Negro in the southern states. At no time since the abolition of slavery has there been more cause for alarm on this account than at this juncture in our history. I have recently been in two of the southern states, South Carolina and Georgia. And my impression from what I saw, heard, and learned there is not favorable to my hopes for this race. I know this is a sad message to bring you on this 26th anniversary of freedom in the District of Columbia. But I know, too, that I have a duty to perform, and that duty is to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and I should be unworthy to stand here unworthy of the confidence of the colored people of this country if I should from any considerations of policy withhold any fact or feature of the condition of the freedmen which the people of this country ought to know the temptation on anniversary occasions like this is to prophecy smooth things, to be joyful and glad, to indulge in the illusions of hope, to bring glad tidings on our tongues and words of peace reveal. But while I know it is always easier to be the bearer of glad tidings than sad ones, while I know that hope is a powerful motive to exertion and high endeavor, while I know that people generally would rather look upon the bright side of their condition than to know the worst, there comes a time when it is best that the worst should be made known. And in my judgment, that time in respect to the condition of the colored people of the South is now. There are times when neither hope nor fear should be allowed to control our speech. 
cry aloud and spare not is the word of wisdom as well as of scripture. Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Applies to the body not less than the soul, to this world not less than the world to come. Outside the truth, there is no solid foundation for any of us. And I assume that you who have invited me to speak, and you who have come to hear me speak, expect me to speak the truth as I understand the truth. The truth at which we should get on this occasion respects the precise relation subsisting between the white and the colored people of the South, or, in other words, between the colored people and the old master class of the South. We have need to know this and to take it to heart. It is well said that a people may lose its liberty in a day and not miss it in half a century, and that the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. In my judgment, with my knowledge of what has already taken place in the South, these wise and wide-awake sentiments were never more apt and timely than now. I have assisted in fighting one battle for the abolition of slavery and the American people have shed their blood in defense of the Union and the Constitution. And neither I nor they should wise to fight this battle over again. And in order that we may not, we should look the facts in the face today and if possible, nip the evil in the bud. I have no taste for the role of an alarmist. If my wish could be allowed to dictate my speech, I would tell you something quite the reverse of what I now intend. I would tell you that everything is lovely with the Negro in the South. I would tell you that the rights of the Negro are respected and that B has no wrongs to redress. I would tell you that he is honestly paid for his labor, that he is secure in his liberty, that he is tried by a jury of his peers when accused of a crime, that he is no longer subject to the lynch law, that he has freedom of speech, that the gates of knowledge are open to him, that he goes to the ballot box unmolested, that his vote is duly counted and giveth his proper weight in determining result. I would tell you that he is making splendid progress in the acquisition of knowledge, wealth, and influence. I would tell you that his bitterest enemies have become his warmest friends. That the desire to make him a slave no longer exists anywhere in the South. 
that the Democratic Party is a better friend to him than the Republican Party, and that each party is competing with the other to see which can do the most to make his liberty a blessing to himself and to the country and to the world. But in telling you all of this, I should be telling you what is absolutely false and what you know to be false. And the only thing which would save such a story from being a lie would be its utter inability to deceive. What is the condition of the Negro at the South at this moment? Let us look at it both in the light of facts and in the light of reason. To understand it, we must consult nature as well as circumstances, the past as well as the present. No fact more obvious than the fact that there is a perpetual tendency of power to encroach upon weakness and of the crafty to take advantage of the simple. This is as natural as for smoke to ascend or water to run down. The love of power is one of the strongest traits in the Anglo-Saxon race. This love and power common to the white race has been nursed and strengthened at the South by slavery. Accustomed during 200 years to unlimited possessions and exercise of irresponsible power, the love of it has become stronger by habit. To assume that this feeling of pride and power has died out and disappeared from the South is to assume a miracle. Any man who tells you that it has died out or has ceased to be exercised and made effective tells you that which is untrue and in the nature of things could not be true. Not only is the love of power there, but a talent for its exercise has been fully developed. This talent makes the old master class of the South not only the masters of the Negro, but the masters of Congress, and, if not checked, will make them the masters of the nation. Abolition. 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 Hi, my name is Jeanette Smith. I am a slavery abolitionist. Some of you may know me. I'm doing this recording because I would like to ask if any of you can help with some financial assistance. Max and Yusuf do not like to ask for money, so I would like to ask on their behalf because they and other abolitionists pull money out of their own pockets, and this is so important. So if you can help, you can find the information at the top of the Facebook page for Abolition Today. Thank you. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.